Hello and welcome to the Calm Within the Storm podcast, all about the journey of finding contentment within the chaos that is mental health. Everything can change. episode will be all about overworking and hitting burnout and recognising the impact that it has on us and our health, identifying the root cause of the problem and then learning how to break the habit. Today I am joined by Mark Gallagher and Mark Gallagher is a full-time musician and I think has more right than most people to talk about this subject. (laughs) because Mark is probably one of the busiest performers I've ever met in the whole world. And um, like an example of this, I think, was it a few years ago, you you set yourself a challenge of doing a gig every day of the year. Yes, it was 2016 and I set myself the challenge. Uh, I called it The Streak, uh, would be like hashtag The Streak Lives, where I would do a gig a day, every day, no days off. And how far did you manage? I got to gig 100, day 86. Madness. <laughs> but the thing is, like, it's not even... Uh, you set yourself a challenge to do that, but even now in your normal life, you're really not doing that much different than that challenge anyway. Like, you're out most days of the week. Yeah, so, like, whereas before it was just, like, a challenge of, like, go out and perform every single day, like at open mics, on radio stations or what have you, in whatever way I can manage. Uh, This time it's just like in my full-time gigging schedule, I just find myself playing about five, seven times a week. Uh, My my personal best was probably um, at the start of this year, uh, at the start of September actually, um, I did 13 gigs in a single calendar week. (laughs) That's just ridiculous. That's just madness. A so, <laughs> a, a very experienced overworker. <laughs> and um, I think, so in approach to today's topic, I suppose, I thought I'd put a few polls and questions out to the general public, all about overworking and hitting burnout. And I just want to get started by reading the first statistic of this poll. So I ask people, how often would you say you're guilty of overworking and hitting burnout? Mm-hmm. And the options were extremely frequently, fairly frequently, slash sometimes, not very often, and never. And I was really surprised by the results because extremely frequently was by a large margin the top answer. And I'm talking over 50% of people have extremely frequently hit burnout and Mm -hmm. find themselves overworked, which is ridiculous because we just don't know when to stop. (laughs) And we need to learn because we can't all keep doing this to ourselves. So we had extremely frequently came in at 53%, fairly frequently 32%, not very often 12%, and never only 3% of people have never hit burnout. Isn't that madness? It is, but it's also not that surprising, I don't think. Do you think? I find that really quite surprising. Um, I think everyone, in terms of overworking, uh, especially in recent years, uh, 
without getting too political due to the various strains that we have under things like cost of living, things like yeah. austerity measures over the, yeah. like, um, I think as a result, everyone has had to, um, in whether, regardless of if it's like artistic or otherwise, they've had to like really stretch themselves to try and stay afloat. Outside of myself, my mother has five jobs and wow. she goes between these five jobs. And as of the last, I want to say six months, it's like, what is, what, what have you got on? And she'll go, oh yeah, so I've got, um, she'll have a shift at Sainsbury's for like six hours and then she'll go and be a, a security at a wedding until like two in the morning. Um, so I think that's a large reason for it. The people who have never hit burnout, they are inc- they're either incredibly good at time management yeah. and uh, sorting their routine up to prevent this or... They are just incredibly lucky, incredibly privileged to be well off where they don't need to stretch themselves so thin, at least in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I I think I personally feel like I've been on a bit of a journey with this over the past, I don't know, two years, three years, maybe, because I think I used to be extremely, extremely prone to burnout all the time. So I think I was a bit like you in that I was gigging most days of the week mm. and if I wasn't gigging then I was working on admin for like 12 hours a day and I'm still very guilty of doing that now but then well as you know I lost my dad during the pandemic and that for me was like a humongous wake-up call because I was like what what are you doing with your life you are absolutely wasting your life by just being miserable all the time and at that point I kind of had like this whole realization moment of that I need to start doing things differently and now I'm so much better at at managing my time and and my work that I haven't had a burnout in actually a few months now or maybe even like a year which is for me madness because I was every every few months I was just down and exhausted and um so yeah, I think it's it, it just having that that mindset switch has been like a massive massive thing, but we can't all have that. And I wouldn't be here without that horrible experience, you know. So but I thought that was an interesting thing to start on. And I think speaking of work, I think it's also important that we kind of identify the line of how much of it we enjoy and how much we do for work. Because yeah, like, no, especially that's especially with music, music's a tough one because music is a hobby and music is also work. Mm-hmm. And where is that line drawn? It is indeed a hobby. It's meant to be like when it is a job, it's a fun job. Like yeah. Ideally, that's the whole reason people go into it. They love it and they want to monetize their passion. And mm-hmm. totally, uh, I guess where you are... Assuming like you're a covers musician, for example, um, if you're playing music you don't really enjoy playing, if you're playing music that you play too much so that you are sick of, if you play music that you don't really have much of an interest to begin with, uh, if it's appeasing clients and not your own artistic interests, mm-hmm. um, if and then there are other factors around the gigs such as... Um, how far away you're traveling. Um, I know that I might be a bit, for lack of a better phrase, grumpier if I'm going to be doing a gig where I have to drive five hours for. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So um, 
so if it's factors like that, the uh, how well treated you are at the gig by staff, by your clients, uh, if they, they feed you, um, that sort of thing. Um, so the line, it comes between um, like how, if it's in your artistic interests versus the what the, the client necessarily wants. And when those overlap, it's really fun. Um, where, where they don't, uh, and you, you feel like you are working for your client at the expense of yourself, that's where it can feel like work, can feel like a job. Yeah, yeah, I think that's actually a really good way of wording it. With that in mind, I have another statistic for you. Ooh. So I ask people, where do you think your habit of overworking stems from? Mm-hmm. The most common response was money worries mm-hmm. and fear of loss of income or a reduction in work and that's very very valid that's absolutely my case so the reason why I gig as much as I do why I work as much as I do and I take everything going only turning something down if I am physically already booked to be somewhere else at the same time Mm -hmm. um the only reason was not the only reason because I still love to perform but Money worries. I don't know when the next COVID is going to hit. I don't know when the I'm going to like break my leg and not be able to travel. Yeah. I don't know when. Uh, just a simple like uh, uh, we are recording this uh, on the first of November, and the dreaded January blues are fast approaching. Where during the first couple of months out of the year. A lot of music venues, a lot of pubs, they cut back on their budget because people go out less because they've spent all their money for Christmas. Yeah. I, you know, generally speaking. So I am not preparing for like world events, but I'm also preparing for just a general uh, turndown in gigs. Uh, my schedule, five to seven gigs a week normally, up until a couple of days ago, um, I only had... Uh, three in my calendar this week and I was worried because oh my gosh is this the start of my decline now luckily I've got it back up to five this week so I have that element of security the phrase I've heard about like my approach to this at the moment is um, making hay while the sun is shining it's a massive thing amongst the people that answered this poll was saying no Oh and God, the the fear of saying no and the guilt of saying no. And if you're a really, really polite person or even like a shy person or someone who doesn't do confrontation very well, that is an impossible task. And And I feel like sometimes if you do say no, you really have to back it up with what you think is a really valid reason. Like you, you feel... It feels really wrong to just say no because you don't want to do something. You have to make up some kind of excuse as to why you can't do it, even if it's not true. Yeah. My uh, recent example of this is I've had a gig offer uh, for a certain day and it's... My typical approach is I'll only say no to something if I am booked to work elsewhere uh, at that same time where I go, okay, I literally can't be in two places at once that's the only reason why I will 
So I, when I had this offer come through and it falls on the date where we're going to be having a Christmas party, um, like, I feel bad to say that as the honest reason of yeah. no... I want to have a social event with my friends one of the few times that I really can. Um, I it, it really struck me. Um, a few years ago, there was a YouTuber who left the scene and they posted a little update video a while later and he said, I'm, I'm not coming back because I don't want to. And that really stuck with me because because I don't want to yeah. is reason is enough. Valid. It should be. So um, I found myself guilty of that very much so. And... Yeah. You know, I do hope that uh, there will be times where I can, for gigs and for other things, just be able to go, no, because I don't want to, and that be enough. Yeah. So I'm going to move on to the the impact that overworking and burnout has physically and mentally. So not just kind of uh, anecdotes and our own experiences now, but but also just... Um, what it can do and what it does and what it will do on a long-term effect. And so I asked people, where do you notice the effects of burnout first? In your mental health or in your physical health? Because I think when people think of stress, you automatically think of it as being a mental thing oh they're so stressed I'm so stressed and you get flustered and panicky and angry and agitated but actually I think there can come a point where when you're overworking and in the routine of overworking you don't even acknowledge that your brain is stressed until your body starts showing you the signs that you're stressed so I asked people this and 75% of people said their mental health is the first thing that they notice but 25% of people said it impacts their body and I've had a few people actually share the impact that it had on them physically mostly somebody actually mentioned that they ended up with a collapsed lung which that's pretty extreme that's crazy but it's true because if we don't know when to stop suddenly you know (laughs) everything can just spiral out of control and you you don't even realize that it's happening so somebody else said that they have fibromyalgia and this can be really affected by their mental health so when their mental health dips so does their body health which i think is a really important thing because if you've got anything that's an underlying condition you notice in that condition especially when your stress levels go up because I find this with uh, with my diet or things like that because I have a few dietary requirements now I notice them change as soon as I start to get stressed I can't eat certain foods or I have reactions to things and I never used to get that and it that got to a point that happened as a result of a burnout and I never used to have any physical problems with burnout other than exhaustion and like absolutely couldn't even leave my bed for like a day I just got to a point where I just ended up really bad once but then I really got in a bad place and long-term impact has been a massive thing for me like I my dietary requirements now have been really bad for two years as a result of stress and I wouldn't have noticed the stress coming on until it really had an impact on my body 
And someone else said they had to stay off work recently because burnout made them physically ill. So it's got a lot. I think we don't we don't listen to our bodies enough. Yeah, when I um, have, I I I hear about like uh, physical effects. It's not something I consider myself to have. Mm. I think I I I make jokes that I'm like just generally an unhealthy person and just <laughs> generally ill is just a part of my personality. <laughs> but like. So when I, I remember watching the film Elvis and like him being diagnosed with exhaustion and me thinking, I don't know if like I've ever had that sort of thing, but like I will find myself, uh, in terms of underlying condition, they've got sleep apnea, so it can manifest in just exhaustion, being tired all the time. Um, but as I am sat here now, I've got some spasms in my leg. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had some RSI, uh, repeated, repetitive strain injury in my wrist uh, from yeah. strumming a lot. So... Um, I've had that, but I, I'm not, I don't think, at least I guess from my own experience, I can't say that I've had like actual, um, I, uh, full physical on effects. physical effects, but maybe that's just a case of me not noticing it because yeah. I'm considering it un, under something else. Yeah. So. See, that's it. I, I think I've only recently really struggled with the physical impact of it. I was very much a, a mental struggler for a long, long time. But then it gets, for me, I, I don't listen to my body. And I'm constantly thinking, but I need to do this. This is a deadline. I need to do this. Like everything in my mind is urgent. And yeah. I don't have that that line of stop, Sam. Yeah, <laughs> I don't no. have that until it gets to a point where my body absolutely cannot cope with it anymore. As for listening to the body, I know it's not necessarily to like be uh, overworking, um, but on Saturday uh, I'd had breakfast and it's uh, like eight o'clock and then it's about two and I'm hungry and I'm thinking to myself, do I save myself for dinner at six? Um, do uh, And there's also, just because I've got issues with my body from uh, a self-love perspective, I hate my body, I don't like being fat uh, and I want to change that. So there's the part of me going, oh, okay, and I was saying this out loud to someone, I was like, well, you know, I'm in that war between, like, I'm feeling hungry, and that's, you know, I don't like that feeling, but also, maybe the hunger's good, because it means I'm going to, like, start getting thinner. Like, that's the way I was approaching it, and going back to listening to your body, just said, if you're feeling hungry, that is your body saying, it's time to eat, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah. uh, it, But for something like that, yeah. that's a very easy thing to identify. Uh-huh. Whereas if we're getting a headache or something like that why don't we go okay this is my body telling me i need to stop we don't no we we just take a paracetamol (laughs) we carry on and this is this is where i think we need to identify the the root of the problem because Mm. at what point do we see the snowball starting to form you know yeah it's a very good question and not one that I currently have the answer to. Uh-huh. I'm probably still in the stage of just yeah. not noticing and identifying these yeah. physical effects. Yeah. It, and it, it's hard as well, I think. Like, I, I, with my experience, I think I shrugged it off and shrugged it off and kind of pretended it wasn't there until it got to a point where I was in hospital. And at that point, I was like, okay, something needs to change now. And, and that, that was a big wake-up call. But I think it's one thing that we're we're really, really guilty of is just putting symptoms aside because our work is more important. But 
if we got sacked tomorrow and had to get a different job, you know, they're not going to care. Like you are just a number to a lot of companies and your health is far more important. Like when I lost my dad, that was the most important thing. Like I don't care about work. Life in that moment was the biggest thing for me and Mm. happiness and health was all I cared about. And I was like, what am I doing to myself? This is far more important than any work, any income. Mm -hmm. Yeah, agreed. With the, um, like, just a number thing, I've seen accounts of people say uh, they've had a colleague die and, you know, the speed with which a replacement is sourced Mm -hmm. uh, and how expendable you are to a lot of companies uh so agree with that completely and it's finding that value outside of a dollar sign outside of um you know our other it's you know the the intangible things like our happiness yeah absolutely and and i think that begs the question is overworking worth it like what do we get back as a result of overworking that is really worth the expense of our mental health and our physical health like from overworking have you ever seen a reward that is so epically life-changing that it was worth jeopardizing your health or your mental health for i do my overworking out of a perceived necessity often uh, from financial pressure um, imposed by the state, imposed by the current state of our country, uh, imposed by my own um, pressures and worries and anxieties of the uh, the instability of our uh, economy and everything around that. So I think, uh, as you pose the question now, I cannot think of any immediate um, examples of which I had... Um, it, of which my overworking had directly led to something like a massive gig. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't think of anything like that because majority of my work is through uh, bars and restaurants yeah. and then the, the weddings as and when they come. Um, so I could, if I was to really think about it, actually, no, I've got a great one. Um, you know, I was taking as many gigs as I could and... I can trace so much work down to one single thing in which um, I'd uh, th- there was a bar that had searched for uh, ukulele player Manchester and because of the niche I had carved out through all the work that I had done. Uh-huh. Um, that's what led me to that job, which led me to a bunch of others, which led me to a residency that I had for about half a year and still continues in a reduced capacity to this day. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, now that you mentioned there are some things, but there is nothing like astronomical uh, that comes as a result of the overworking. It's motivated from anxiety about financials. And yeah. now I have, at this current moment, I have a relative stability financially. Yeah. I look at my bank account and go, cool, I can afford this Starbucks. Yeah. Uh, and during peak COVID, there were times where... Um, I was struggling to put petrol in my car. Yeah. So it's recovering from that. Uh, going back to, is it worth it? For a lot of people, um, obviously, no. I can't see the effects either way at the moment. I just know that I do have a work myself. I do need to take a break. I need mm-hmm. to 
now that I'm starting to get more comfortable and now that I'm starting to future-proof myself mm-hmm. as a society, as I mentioned with the Patreon, that, um, so I'm starting to... Um, I should find myself in a position where I can start taking uh, more time for myself, for my social life, yeah. uh, and then eventually letting that translate into uh, general uh, increase of morale and my general yeah. health. But I still feel like while I'm still young and I can still get away with it, I'm still pursuing it for the time being. So, mm-hmm. But future-proofing, I think, is actually a really good way of wording that. Mm-hmm. Because I guess that's similar to what I mentioned earlier in having that that overview of your year and what you need to do and what you want to do. Mm-hmm. But it's also then you're looking at, you know, you're, you're, you're securing yourself for the future and you're not just living in the present all the time because living in the present is what's stressful, I think, because you're constantly thinking day to day, like, can I afford tomorrow? Can I, will I have friends tomorrow? Will I be able to do this? And, and knowing in advance or as much in advance as you, as your job allows, I suppose, that you're going to have the security of stability and not just stability in your, in your income, but also stability in, I know I've got a booking with a friend next month, so I've got my social box ticked off. Mm. And I've got a holiday booked in two months' time, so I know I'm going to have that ticked off. And having something for in advance that you know is going to make you happy, but is also going to support you work-wise, I think that's a really good plan to have, because then you're, you're preparing yourself for something that's not just today and tomorrow. You're looking in advance as to how you can be stable in many, many ways as a person and as a work person, as an employee or as a boss or whatever your position is. I find that interesting just because when you mentioned living in the present is so difficult, I think more people need to be present. Uh, so like um, it's slightly unrelated you know, when you go to a concert and you're watching the whole thing mostly through mm-hmm. a phone out of the because I, that's an example of them trying to live in what they what's going to be the past. They're planning on looking at this thing later on. We never do. We always take the phone. Yeah. You know. Um, so I I think people need to be present more. And I've had it where I will find yeah. myself at an event and I will no, I want to be here, be yeah. involved in the thing. So mm. I, I I disagree with you slightly. Uh, in it's terms a fine of, line, mm. I think, because to an extent. Yes, I think we do need to stop wasting all of our time constantly thinking about things in a year's time and next mm. next month and whatever, to an extent. But then at the same time, I think having the knowledge and the the comfort that you don't need to think about next month and you don't need to think about next year because you've mapped things comfortably. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's the difference because then having a plan that allows you to feel stable in the future allows you to be more present. And that's what I'm finding now is that now that I know I've got all the work that I need to be able to pay my bills, I am suddenly a million times happier than I was a year ago because now I'm spending my evenings with my partner and I'm sitting in front of a log burner watching our favourite movie and nothing is better than that. I've realised no... Like, as much as I love my job and I love my work, nothing about my job beats just spending time doing the things that I enjoy doing with the people that I enjoy doing it with. 
And I think future-proofing yourself without overworking yourself to get to that future plan Mm -hmm. allows you to live more presently. So we've talked about, okay, so speaking of future-proofing, a final question that I asked everyone of the general public who was on my social media. Um, I asked any tips for dealing with overworking. So we've had a suggestion, therapy, therapy and counselling, that's something that I've experienced. Uh, I've had CBT, cognitive behavioural therapy for uh, my depression. And I found from that that I really benefit from something like scheduling. Mm -hmm. Uh, So allocating time for certain tasks because uh, as self-employed, there are so many constant things running along and I benefit from that very much so, not just in work, but also in my social life by allocating that time for yourself and for your friends. Yeah, exactly. It's identifying what works for you. And sometimes you don't notice that about yourself and you need someone who who does know that Mm. to be able to tell you that. And there's no shame in talking to someone about that. Absolutely. So uh, quite um, relevantly, the second thing that I'd like to mention is be realistic with schedule loading. Someone suggested no more than four days on before taking a day off. Which I think is a very good point. If your job allows it, not every job allows it, but allowing yourself a designated time off yep. is important. Like like I said, uh, Tuesday is typically the day of the week in which gigs don't happen for me. So that is usually the what I can start to, uh, at the moment, it's just admin day where I can get through invoices or some very smaller things. But for the most part, it is acting as a day off and it's something that I'm probably going to enforce on myself as my day off yeah. for the most part. Yeah. And, and on a similar note of just scheduling in general, we've had the suggestions of schedule breaks and also split your day into three morning, afternoon and evening and work and focus for two and chill for one. And now with our job being a lot of evening work, we could have the morning to chill or we could work in the morning and then have the afternoon to chill before going out to work, which I think that's a really good, a good thing. But then it's getting out of that mindset of I'm not being productive if I'm not working, you Mm. know, Uh, that's the hardest thing. Yeah, I guess it's the um, going back to like some of the stuff I looked at in my uh, therapy was looking at, uh, okay, itemize all the if you've got everything that needs to be done, just start right all down and then start um, looking at them in terms of uh, like their priority. Are they necessary things like uh, yeah. tidying the house? Are they uh, routine things like walking your dog, put making sure the bins are out? Yeah. Uh, and do they have certain times that... Are, and then you can um, plan your day according. But, you know, scheduling breaks, crucial. Even mm-hmm. in most day jobs, there are breaks uh, allowed why shouldn't we have it in ours from an admin perspective yeah absolutely um allowing tasks to end and not filling the hole immediately with another i think that's a a a very 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 good point Mm -hmm. because that's something i think a lot of us are very very guilty of i benefit very much from a to-do list and i get the satisfaction of physically crossing out the to-do list but i then once I found that it is uh, somewhat empty, uh, my then thought is, oh my gosh, right, I need to write another one now for yeah. all this time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. But speaking of to-do lists as well, something that is a really helpful tip is sometimes 
breaking down a to-do list into even smaller chunks. As in, I found recently I had so many videos to edit and I had uh, various, various things to do. And I had this this to-do list of like, edit this video, do this, build a website, blah, 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 blah. And I I was like, these are all massive things, which in my head, I'm like, I can do this. This Mm. is really easy. And then you sit down and you realize editing a video is going to take me six hours. Mm. So what I ended up doing was I did a a to-do list that said, do 10 minutes of video editing, 10 minutes of this. And as soon as I'd done that 10 minutes, I could then tick it off and still feel like I'd achieved something. Even though I hadn't finished the task, I was 10 minutes closer to finishing the task. And in my head, I was achieving it. I've got a good one. Uh, Tax return from the official year 2020 to uh, 2021, I think, uh, or thereabouts. It was around lockdown uh, when I did it. And um, it was January is approaching, end of January. And I'm going, oh, balls I need to um really sort this and just how overwhelmingly and then uh I wrote it I I wrote my to-do list out as not just tax return because that is an enormous thing but I wrote it out as all the months and then Mm. all my months are um done uh well all my accounts are through either PayPal cash or um uh bank transfer yeah so it's going okay I can each month in break it down three things and then I can go okay Today, I'm going to do two months of my cash, uh, yeah. in which I will be looking through all my paper receipts. Yeah. Um, and then I can cross those off. So it very much in the sense of, okay, I've not done the whole thing, but I've done these steps close towards it. And that was absolutely vital to me in yeah. uh, managing that overwhelm. So. Yeah, yeah, me too. I found that one of the biggest, biggest helps for me. Mindfulness. So we've got mindfulness and um, meditation. I don't know about you. Do you ever do any of these? Um, I, uh, in early, well, mid-2018, when I uh, learned about my depression, I did do Headspace for a bit. My issue was I wasn't able to make it into a routine. When I I did it. That's the hardest part. Yeah, when I did it, I loved it. But, like, my issue was I needed to set my routine of, okay, so I I wake up, I have a shower, Headspace, eat breakfast, that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. I didn't. Um, like, because I didn't have the discipline enough to make it into a routine, uh, I wasn't able to, but whenever I have done mindfulness, when I have meditated, I've found it really wonderful. Yeah. We tried to get into the routine of waking up and doing yoga for the first, first thing before doing breakfast or anything else, doing 10 minutes of yoga a day. And we started to get into the routine of it and it did make us feel so much more awake and so much more productive. And then something happens, like you get an, an urgent email through in the morning and yeah. you're instantly snapped back out of that routine. And that routine is the hardest thing to master. Thank you very much for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you found some value and comfort and reassurance in anything that we've talked about today. Let me tell you what we've got coming up next. In the next episode of the Calm Within the Storm podcast, we'll be talking all about therapy, counselling and seeking professional support. And I'll be joined by Sarah Gregson. 
Thank you for tuning in. If you'd like to listen to the extended version of today's episode, head to samlionmusic.com and become a member. It's completely free and you'll have access to the full-length video editions of each episode.